I want to say Happy Easter, everyone. Very good. And really reflecting on a lot of the music we were doing today, uh, all of this music has something in common, and it challenges a reality that is all too familiar to us. There's a great deal of, of tradition that's developed around uh, this holiday, all holidays, but this particular holiday, <coughs> certainly in the West. <coughs> Excuse me. Some of these are boilerplate. Some of them were created for money. Some of them are other traditions, pagan and otherwise, all kind of lumped in together. That's made uh, a big industry out of Easter. And I'm, I'm not really here to talk about the commercialization of Easter. I, I don't think that is important. What I think is important is the idea that Easter is celebrated. And I was of the opinion for many years that why do we celebrate Easter only on Easter when really it is a celebration that is every day? Uh, and that is a true statement. I still stand with that. However, Easter was a real event. It really happened. It was a real place in time. And it was the inauguration of something that is the most powerful thing in history, and it has reshaped history and time. And it is worthy of a point that we celebrate. <clears throat> you see, Easter is where life and death collide. That's the way you could look at Easter. It's where life and death themselves come head on into one another. And what it demands from each of us is a radical perspective change. You realize most of our perspective, most of the way we view things is shaped by our experiences, shaped by knowledge that we have believed, whatever it might be. So those things come together to make a perspective that we have. And you see, Easter, what it does is it is a clash of life and death that affects history. The second thing is Jesus spent about three years introducing a new way of being human, a new humanity. The, the scripture calls him the second Adam, the second try, the redo. That's who Jesus was. So he shows up sinless and he carries himself sinlessly in life and he walks life with the father in a broken world. You see, he spent those three years demonstrating and showing to people what it was like not operating under the power and influence of sin and death. You see, most people find life flawed. Most of us find life flawed. But we have acclimated to it as normal. That's why we can say, somebody says, how's it going? It's fine. Does that mean your life is fine? Not necessarily. It might mean it's normal. It might mean that my water bill is late and I got a, a ticket for an inspection sticker and these other things happened and I can't find my car keys. But in general, life is fine. You see, the idea of normal has become adjusted and changed our perspective. Uh, years ago, I was listening to an interview 
with a 13-year-old Lebanese girl. And uh, she was born and raised in Beirut. And if you're a little younger, uh, you may not know that, that Beirut went through an incredible civil war. And if you were to see pictures of Beirut, it was called the Pearl of the Middle East. It was the banking center. The beaches were gorgeous. It was a Riviera kind of place. But civil war completely destroyed all of this and became a dark and an unsafe place for a child. <clears throat> and when people were talking to her about her life in this war-torn city, with 26 factions. You know what her answer was? This is all I've ever known. I've never known another life. You see, your perspective is shaped by your reality. And because it's your reality, that makes it real. Her, her reality was civil war. Her reality was bullets and bombs and broken buildings. Her reality was the lack of safety in basic things and basic needs being overlooked because of safety issues. That was her life. That was normal for her. Because her entire life had been in a civil war country. <clears throat> what Jesus came and said was, your entire life has been in a civil war. Your entire life. And what Jesus is doing is challenging your perspective and mine. And what it gets to the root of is what really drives our normal perspective. To really see, to really see Easter and how it plays into this story, we go back to the very beginning. We look at the Garden of Eden. And we see here there's a place where mankind and God lived together in peace and there was harmony and there was joy and nothing was hidden. But there came a time when mankind chose that they wanted more. It wasn't enough to be loved. It wasn't enough to be cared for. It wasn't enough to have experience of life and peace and to never know, to never experience jealousy to never experience fear, uh, a fear, to never experience injustice, to never have to feel the need to lie, to never experience shame or guilt. They never knew these things. But the implication from Satan is you're missing out because you're not experiencing all these other things outside of love and peace and joy. So they agreed. There's more. You see, if you know these other things, then there will be nothing you don't know and you will be like God. That's where the story began because they chose that other path. And what we find in the garden, when they broke that relationship with God, immediately they struggled with fear. They were afraid. Immediately, they began to blame one another. You see, they began to experience the very things they longed for. But over time, those things become normal, and they lose the perspective of what it was like in the garden in the beginning. 
And they began to experience all those things. And those are not just ending with dark emotions of jealousy and pride and strife and arrogance and greed. But it goes on because what happened in that is there's a darkness that they now have to obey. And there's one other piece. This will all end in death. You see, death becomes the trump card. It becomes the thing no one escapes. You can think of it this way. Death becomes the custodian of all humanity. You will die, and you will die because the effects of sin. You will die because death is coming after you. It's coming after me. And I can take vitamins, and I can eat like a vegan, and I can get 10 hours of sleep every day, and I can have a job with no stress, and I'm still going to die. I have a date with death. So how does this all work with Easter? Well, when this all took place in the garden, God makes this promise. I'm going to get back humanity. I'm going to get back what was lost in this moment. And what you see is God says, there will come a time when I will send someone who has the ability and the power to make this right. I'm going to send my son. And over the years, we see that God stays in touch with mankind. He kind of keeps that dream alive. He keeps the idea of there's a God who loves. There's a God who is pursuing. There's a God who is powerful. You see, all through time, God interjects into the life of humanity, this place and that place, keeping that alive so that mankind would be able to respond in the fullness of time. And he kept that hope real and resident for people and humanity. And humanity did respond on those occasions. And then Jesus is born. And you see, in this world that he comes into, in the Jewish society that he was born into, they were looking for a Messiah. They had some idea that things are going to be made right, but they had a problem. They had a perspective problem. You see, normal, the new normal, had, had, had ruined the promise. The new normal was about politics. The new normal was about the Roman Empire not being over them. The new normal was about being a powerful prideful people on the planet of the earth that no one would ever subjugate again. That was the new normal. That was the Messiah. That was the hope. That was the promised land. You see, because they had a perspective problem. How often do we struggle because we have a perspective problem? You see, by this time, death was completely normal. I mean, sometimes we make it honorable. We call it honorable. Sometimes we kill people because they've killed somebody that we care about. Death is a really, really big part of our entire identity because everybody is going to go there. 
Jesus speaks into this. In Matthew 16, 21 through 23, he says, from this time on, it says, from this time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and then he must be killed. And on the third day, raised to life. You see, they never heard raised to life. What Peter heard was killed. Ooh. Raised to life is not part of the perspective, is it? If I said, if I said uh, my grandfather died yesterday, that would sound normal to you. I'm sorry, Bill. You wouldn't know how to respond to me. If I said my grandfather was raised from the dead yesterday. Really? Says who? Tell me more. Who is this grandfather? Like a real person? You see, you don't know how to work with me on that one, do you? You were much more comfortable with death. But rising doesn't really work. You see, Peter knew the message. He understood the idea of a Messiah. But when he heard the word kill to the guy who has been leading them, who is all-powerful, who has never been trumped, who always knows what everybody's thinking, what everybody's doing, who overcomes everything and overpowers everything that he needs to because he has the authority over everything, be killed? That does not fit a political model of Jesus becoming king. But Jesus was telling them the way forward. And he was demonstrating who is the real powerhouse. And the real powerhouse he was describing was death. Death is the perspective. And Jesus came with a perspective of life. <clears throat> Peter, in his perspective issue, continuing on, Peter took him aside, being a good friend that he is, takes Jesus aside. Yo, Jesus. And he rebukes him. He kind of takes him behind the woodshed a little bit. You know, kind of calls him back into order. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Let's change that just a little bit. You do not have a God perspective. You have a normal perspective. And for the last three years, I've shown you everything but normal. You're reaching back to normal. How often do we reach back to normal? How easy is it to go back to normal? Jesus resisted human normal. And he challenged other human beings to do the same. Merely human normal. You see, Peter had a fearful respect of death. The word kill stopped him. It stopped him. He never got to rise. You see, the different perspective would have said, Rise from the dead. I like the sound of that. Is that going to be for everybody? Is there a group deal? Rise from the dead. Is that a new thing? 
How rised? Is that like philosophically? Is it spiritually? I mean, we really going to bring it up. He never got it. Peter's perspective was merely human. And the, the normal of humanity is inspired by Satan. That's how we fall in our perspective. You see, human perspective sees death as a natural part of life. It's the conclusion of life. It's how life concludes. There's a beginning, there's an end. We write songs about it. So life is summed up by the brief events of your existence. What Jesus was talking about is he was going to go meet death. If you're going to defeat death, then you go to death. And he would go to death by the hands of humanity. Now, we have a, a we've got this story, uh, if you guys would make your way forward. Bit of a story, uh, we've got some folks that are going to share with you. And what you're going to hear in this is how humanity mocks him with their normal. Golgotha, the place of the skull. 
cruel nails driven by cruel fists into his hands and feet. Then they raised him for all the world to see. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Then there was mocking when there should have been weeping. Then there was darkness when there should have been light. He gave a loud cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And just like that. And just like that. And just like that, he died. They buried him in a garden. Wrapping his death in a place meant for life. Planted him there like a seed in the ground. Like a flower waiting to bloom. And that should have been the end of his story. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. It was just the beginning. Crucify him. Crucify him. That's what they shouted. We can give you Barabbas. We can set a prisoner free today. Give us Barabbas. Kill Jesus. And they did. You see, in the human normal perspective, that would have dealt the final blow to their enemy. You see how they were thinking in the normal perspective that they knew as reality. What they did not grasp is Jesus was operating out of a perspective. Not out of death is the trump card, but he was operating out of a perspective that life is the trump card. Jesus saw death as unnatural. He saw it as the conclusion of the effects of sin, not the conclusion of life. He saw nothing good or godly in death. He saw his role was to break death's power over humanity. That's what he saw as his mission. And that's what he did. And the scripture shows how his disciples struggled when he was dead. And they saw the man who had done so many miracles, who had raised people from the dead. And yet he died. And his body had no life in it anymore. And he wasn't going to do any more trips with them. He wasn't going to speak with them anymore. He wasn't going to teach them. And he wasn't going to be the king of Israel. But you see, that was the wrong perspective. That was a perspective that is powered and controlled by death. That's why they were disillusioned. That's why they struggled. Now, <clears throat> Satan as the champion in this case, takes Jesus 
and the scriptures we understands it basically walks him right into death and there he is another soul another human that's now securely locked in death the problem is it was a sinless man it was a flawless man who had been taken into death. This is a Trojan horse for God because this is a man who can still hear God. And what happens is life begins to show life in death and life erupts inside death and light penetrates and destroys darkness. And what it says is all the captives were watching this. And Jesus broke the chains and he led them out of death. How does that change our perspective? It says that there is a way to go forward. You go through death. We're not afraid of death anymore. How do we do it? We enter into Jesus' death. We celebrate the resurrection because it's the day that you and I overcame death through Jesus. It's the day that we were introduced to a perspective that was no longer powered by death, but a perspective that was powered by life. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 5, verse 10, it says, We always carry around in, in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. We want that death of Jesus to be ours because we want the life of Jesus to be ours. We celebrate the entire resurrection. We celebrate the death. We celebrate the resurrection. Why? Because it was his death that went in and broke the power. And he says, follow me. I will walk you out. And I never want you to let it be your perspective again. Death has lost its power. For we are alive, are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that life may be also revealed in our mortal bodies. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outward we might be wasting away, yet inward we are being renewed daily. In the scripture, it says that immortality, that mortality must put on immortality. It's time to change our clothes. It's time to change our perspective. That we overcome mortality with immortality. That was what happened. Immortality defeated death. And the scripture says, O oh, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? It says, death has been, has been swallowed up. That's what we celebrate 
we celebrate that death is not our master anymore. I've had a heart attack. I've had cancer. Um, I've had other brushes with mortality. The same as many of you. But they do not control my life. They do not control our life anymore. And when death is no longer on the table, you can live your life totally different. When we're not worried about death, and, and when I say death, it includes everything that goes with death. It includes the idea of losing out in this life. It includes the idea of having the most you can before you die. Having children before you die. Having a husband or a wife before you die. Getting rid of your husband or wife before you die. Whatever it is you're hoping for. You see, the truth is before you die is not a perspective that will allow you to live your life. It will make you something else. Something less than what you were created to be. My, my hope is the idea that death is conquered can set us free to take risk, to be powerful, to know that if you're my age, um, I was just told the other day that uh, since I made it to 60, I mean, I'm not technically at 60, but I'm, I don't know, a few months away. But if I make it to 60, then I'll make it to 83 as an average. My thought is, well, that's like one more generation. That's not very much time. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of things I want to do. I have like 55 more years of stuff just right now that I can think of off the top of my head. You see what happens in that moment? I, I get a little bit of that old normal comes back in. It's like, I got to hurry up. I got to pick up my pace. No. You see, that's a perspective that is controlled by death. We are called to be controlled by life. And life overpowers the worst of your circumstances. It overpowers the very worst of your moments. Because what it says is, I am alive. I'm in the care of my heavenly father and I have overcome death and I can celebrate that every day. And when my back is hurting, my foot is swollen and I have poison ivy all over my arms, I'm I don't, my wife does. We celebrate. That's Easter. That's what it's about. The way to defeat death is to always choose life. Always make life your goal. To value life. To value its preciousness, its power, its purpose. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. And we don't value it because it's running out. We value it because it's valuable. 
That's why we value life. Death is at work influencing every moment. It wants to pull you back. Humanity wants to pull you back to a normal perspective. Jesus calls you to a new normal. And it allows you to celebrate no matter what your circumstances are. It allows you to celebrate. So as death tries to influence you with the bad news and all the things that goes with dying, life is here to mock death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Isn't that kind of mocking? Where's your sting, death? I don't feel a thing. Joy, peace, and celebration and thanksgiving are natural effects of life that is powered by life. Jesus invited us into that, and he modeled that. Now, there may be somebody, it's great to have two cups of coffee because I left that one over there and you got a backup. Some people here might need help with your perspective. Some of us are glass half empty kind of folk. And some of us are just struggling with reality. We're struggling with our life circumstances. I'd like for everybody to stand. <laughs> 